Um, hey, so if you are new and visiting this morning, my name is Julia. Um, I'm the, the campus pastor out here at Salwyn Life Church. And we are super excited because this is our first Easter. Um, So we uh, launched our campus in September last year, um, and we were looking at combining with um, with Levita and with um, our campus in town. But we were like, man, actually, we've got we've got people and we've got team out here this year. Like, we've got capacity to be able to do this. So this is a really really exciting day for us. So um, thank you to all the team that are are serving, uh, the ones in here and the ones that are also looking after our awesome kids as well. Um, But also thank you for you guys for coming along and and making this happen. This is pretty cool. You guys like. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. I'm like, no, this is awesome. Like, this is really cool, guys. This is worth celebrating. Um, hey, so it is my my privilege this morning, I guess, just to, to share a few thoughts with you. And um, I was actually, as I was preparing, I was like, man, I haven't actually done an, an Easter message before. I've, like, prepared ones for kids when I was youth leading and all that sort of stuff. But I was like, oh, man, and I was just so... I guess as I'm going back through the text and, and reading the stories and... Um, as I was preparing, and, and my heart was really just caught in the wonder again of what God did at Easter. And there's just been this excitement for me that I don't, I, I mean, Easter's been cool over the years, but to be honest, actually, I've probably been at Easter camp youth leading most of them, um, which, I mean, that's just a whole different beast, and we're going to pray for our, our young people out there. God is already doing some amazing stuff, some of the reports that are coming through, things that are happening in our teenagers' lives, which is super cool. Um, but to actually be around and be with, like, adults for Easter is is like a little bit of a novelty. <laughs> um, but yeah, just as I was as reading through the scriptures, and just, my, I can only explain it, that my heart was just caught by the wonder again. And just this incredible sense of God's plan and God's purpose, right? And I think sometimes we can, you know, we hear, oh yeah, Jesus went to the cross and it took all our sin and shame and, and then he was put in the tomb and the stone, they went and the stone, three days later and the stone was rolled away and woohoo, he's risen. And we go, yeah, that's really cool. But go, man, guys, it's really, really cool. Like, this is actually amazing. And I just, I so pray that this morning our hearts are just captured again. That I think even now as we read through the scripture, we're going to read through probably a bit more than we normally would on a Sunday morning. But I just, just pray, don't, don't just listen to it like you know the story. But let's allow the Holy Spirit to go, man, what happened on that day in those moments truly was something quite remarkable, right? And that's what we're going to unpack and celebrate and talk a little bit about this morning. But we're just going to read the scripture. So I just encourage you, if you want to close your eyes, if you want to listen but something that I find really helpful is actually picturing myself there and kind of walking through as it's as it's happening and going man how would I respond what would what would my reaction be what would that have felt like what did it what did it look like around in that space and just maybe encourage you to do that this morning as well it might be something that helps you um I'm just gonna get myself organized cool so we're gonna read, be reading from Luke 23 So as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon of Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him, and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified them there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. 
Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. How powerful are those words in that moment? The God of all heaven is hanging on a cross. He had all power to do everything. And he surrendered it and said, Father, forgive them. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read this, Is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And now would you close your eyes as we read chapter 20, Luke chapter 24. And just picture what this was like. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Church, how amazing. Our Jesus wasn't in the grave. He wasn't in the tomb. The stone was so big and the soldiers and everything that guarded it, there was no way that it could have, he could have gone without something miraculous happening. And for all the stories that happened and were told at the time, we know that what actually happened in that moment was that God had overcome the grave. And we know that God is the only one that can raise people from the dead, Right? We can give our best efforts, but we have no ability to bring someone back from the dead once they are gone, especially three days later. But what happened in that moment was God was raising Jesus from the dead. And in that moment, everything that he had claimed to be was proven to be true. Everything that Jesus had talked about, everything that he had taught us about the Father, everything that he had taught us about the kingdom, he wasn't a lunatic, he wasn't a crazy man. He was God incarnate, 
God Emmanuel dwelling amongst his people, teaching them about his kingdom, teaching, about the, teaching them about the love of the Father, teaching them about the kind of relationship that you could have with God, teaching them about the kind of people that God was calling into his house and into his family. God in that moment was giving his approval. He was the one that was raising Jesus from the dead and saying, this is my son. He is who he said he was. I love these um, these resources that we've that we've got. That if you're um, here today and you haven't grabbed one, then I encourage you grab one. They're amazing, and it talks about our faith and talks about a whole lot of these different questions and what it means to have a relationship with God and what happened in these moments. And um, in one of the sections, I want to read a little bit to you from. Um, this is talking about. Christianity is all about believing in and following Christ. Jesus is not just a great man, a historic figure, a teacher, or a way. Jesus is the way. He is the Son of God. The prolific writer C.S. Lewis put it this way, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sorts of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit on him, and you can kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about this being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. How powerful is that, right? So within it, the resurrection gives us that challenge. Who was Jesus? What are the implications of there being an empty tomb? What is the power of the resurrection? And how does this change our lives and change our worlds? See, it's easy to have many concepts and beliefs around who Jesus is. You can look at different faiths, different religions, conversations with friends and family and workmates, or even you know some of the things that you believe about Jesus. People can have a whole lot of different opinions on him. So that's why it's important for us to look into it, to learn, to study, and go, who did he say he was? What did he represent? And what was the significance of the empty tomb? See, even in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus says, being brought, to, brought before the um, Pilate and before Herod, and he's being tried and he's being handed over to soldiers. And at one point, they even blindfold him. And it says they start hitting him. And they say, prophesy who did it, Jesus. In that moment, he had all power to tell them exactly who did it. He could have known, but instead he chose to humble himself. He chose to surrender himself to the mercy of humanity, to be abused, to be afflicted. 
And in that moment, those men, they missed who that Jesus was. And I think, church, so how often can we actually miss the significance of who our Jesus is? That's why it's important for us to learn and to study and to pray and to ask God to reveal him to us. Because I think so often we limit God and we forget what he is actually capable of like those men in those moments. As he was crucified, a darkness fell across the sky and the earth shook. The temple curtain that had for so long represented the boundaries of around entry into the holiest of holy places, the sacred places where God dwelt, was torn in two supernaturally. And in that moment, God showed the world that he no longer needed to hold himself back from us. But now all of us were able to enter into the holy of holies. See, for many of us, we would have never even been able to go into the temple. We would have still been in the outer courts, right? But that was never God's heart for people. God's heart was always that there would be room and a way and a space for everybody to come and to know him and to be close to him and to experience his presence. See, in that moment when the earth went dark and the curtain was ripped, something had shifted and changed within the earth within that moment that had the ability to change all of our lives forever. I was scrolling through Instagram yesterday, and um, there's a guy, Bob Goff, and he, he posted a post. And it just, man, it spoke to me. He said, darkness fell, his friends scattered, hope seemed lost, but heaven had just started counting to three. How incredible was that? God always had a plan. God was always working. God was always moving. And in that moment, something shifted. See, the empty tomb, the resurrection, is the game changer, my friends. Uh, did anyone go to the, um, the concert on Wednesday nights? A few people who watched it on telly. Anyone say it? Yeah, there was some amazing, amazing acts. We were... Um, we were red frogging there, so we were looking after people and handing out water and all those sorts of things. And um, some of you guys might have seen um, Stan Walker. Do you want to see his his performance? Like amazing, amazing, incredible uh, man. The vocals on that man. Um, but what he, what you maybe don't know about him is that he also has an incredible faith story. He shared it with some of our young people at a conference a couple of years ago, and um, you know a story of. You know, real brokenness within his family, abuse within his own life, and how God just radically got hold of his, his family and of his life and, and just changed and healed and restored and redeemed these things in his life. And so when you heard him singing on Wednesday night those worship songs, like, man, it truly is out of a place of worship in that man's heart. And um, he, um, he was also posted some stuff again on my scroll while I was scrolling through Instagram. And, and he posted, um, some of you guys might have seen it, the Hillsong one, the Across It Cause Love. And, of course, someone had followed it and was like, no, the cross doesn't equal love. The cross equals um, pagan worship and idolatry. And, and you're just like, oh, right. But he just replied and said, if you knew my story and if you knew what my experience 
of Jesus was and how he has radically changed my life, then I can tell you that that is my research. And I can tell you that the cross equals love. And see, that is the amazing thing, church. (laughs) Someone's been summoned. (laughs) Um, That's the amazing thing, is that this wasn't just something that happened a long time ago that we just celebrate out of tradition. The fact that there was an empty tomb, the fact that our Jesus went to the cross and what he secured in that moment has the ability to still change our lives now. I remember when I was at Bible college and one of my lecturers, we were talking about this, and he's like, why didn't, why didn't Jesus heal the nail in his hand, the holes in his hands? He's like, he'd done significantly enough to heal within his body to give him back life. Like, you know, why, why leave the nail holes? And I was like, eh, be a question. He goes, there's something of the heart of God that wants to be able to tell the story, right? And how important was that when those disciples, and even for us now, when one day we're going to get to see those nail-pierced hands for ourselves, right? And it was just a reminder that in our lives, scars speak of our healing. And that the resurrection that the empty tomb secured a healing on a level for all of us. It just, I think we, we struggle in, to understand what God was actually doing, what his heart for us is, actually the extent that he is willing to go to. And I think sometimes we can be ashamed of our scars, ashamed of our wounds, but church, the empty tomb tells us that our scars have the ability to speak of the healing of our Savior, Right? And that's not, that's the same within, that's secured within Jesus, but that is also can be true within our own lives as well. Scars speak to our stories. They say we once had wounds, but look at how we have healed. They say, let me tell you about the one that has healed me. Look at what he has done in my life. Isn't that incredible, church? We don't need to be ashamed or we don't need to hide behind our brokenness, our mistakes, our imperfection, our wounds, the things that have hurt us. But instead, as we surrender those to Jesus and we see that same power that resurrected him from the tomb, that same spirit that rose him from the grave, he says is the same spirit that lives within us. That same spirit that he has poured out upon all people and that same healing work that he is wanting to do with in all of our lives. What an incredible promise. What an incredible way to celebrate an empty tomb, right, church? Yeah, you guys can celebrate this because this is the promise. This is what God has for all of us and not just for us, everybody in our world that we know is hurting, that we know is carrying wounds. That same promise, God, that same spirit God has put within you, And his heart's desire is to outwork that resurrection power so that this room is full of people that can testify to the healing power of Jesus Christ, that same resurrection power in their own lives. See, this Easter, let me tell you about the king, the king who is no longer in the grave, 
the resurrected King who sits at the head of our Father, who advocates on our behalf. And as the team comes back, they're going to sing. They're going to sing an item for us. And I think so often, church, we can know Jesus as our Savior, which He was in that moment, but also the authority that was given to Him, what He did in that moment, was Jesus was also our King. He is Lord of all creation. And what he secured for us, let us celebrate it. Let us know that our God is for us, that our God is with us, and that because of the resurrection, there is nothing that can ever separate us again from his love.